Welcome back to another episode of Disrupting Asia. I'm Kian, your host here at Disrupting Asia and currently based out of Chiang Mai in Thailand. Disrupting Asia is a platform that helps to connect entrepreneurs like you in Asia. Our aim is to build communities around the continent and to become the number one source for reliable news and information around Asia startups. Every week we will feature talented entrepreneurs like you here in Asia who build and grew successful businesses. We will also talk about essential skills, tools and systems that will make not only your business but also you personally more successful. So if you're new here, consider subscribing. In this week's show, I'm talking with Sarum Pinyarat, the CEO of FungJ.com, Thailand's largest music community startup about entrepreneurship, the idea behind FungJay and the ups and downs of being the CEO of a startup. Hey everyone and welcome to Disrupting Asia. My guest on today's episode is Sarun. He's the founder of fungjay.com, the biggest music startup in Thailand since 2014. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi everyone. Uh, thanks Kian for having me here. My name is Sarun. Uh, in Thai I have a nickname Top. So you know you can refer to me as both. Yeah. You can okay. call me Top. So Got it. You're welcome. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Good. You know, of working day, a bit busy, but all good. Okay, for those of you who don't know him, he's the um, founder and CEO of Fungjai, um, the fastest growing music community startup in Thailand since 2014. Um, you're also the co-founder of Beer Visual Specialist School and Film Design Studio. Um, he received yeah. a degree in industrial design from Chulalongkorn University in Bangkok, which, by the way, I think it's a very prestigious university, an MA in graphic design from Aalto University in Helsinki in Finland. And you worked around the world, right? You worked, um, obviously, in Thailand, in Copenhagen, in Denmark, in Silicon Valley. That's, yeah. You're a very busy entrepreneur. You're a very busy person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, so like, as you yeah. said, I started off like first being a graphic designer, then, you know, turn entrepreneur when I returned to Bangkok four years ago. Okay. And when did you realize that you have this entrepreneurial gene inside of you? What made you shift that you said, I see that you like a very creative person, right? Like looking at your background, you're into design and all those things. You're a very creative person. But when was the time when you said like, okay, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to just create like things on the computer. I don't want to only create designs, but I actually want to create companies. I want to make a difference. When was that? When did you have the switch? Um, was there any, any situation, any specific moment? Yeah. Um, so as a graphic designer, like most of the career path would be like you work in a design studio yeah. for maybe like three or four years. And eventually you would, you know, um, started your own business, you know, as a design studio. But but if, if, if looking at as a design, graphic design career, normally it's when you open up a studio, it's more like a service company. Like you mm -hmm. have clients, mm -hmm. they have their needs, and you, you serve their needs. So always in my mind from all that, this would be like kind of like my career path, right? I would have to create something to serve a, a client or some, 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 some other people need. So there hasn't really been anything on my mind that I would create my own product or something. Okay. You know, for, 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 yeah. the, for the audience to use and that kind of changed when I was in Silicon Valley like when I when when I was abroad and, and, and studying like in the back of my mind I always know that okay one day I will return to Bangkok and I would probably start my own design studio but 
having been in Silicon Valley and I was in a really small startup, like five people. Mm-hmm. And I was their only uh, designer and it was called Breezy. And I, at that point, then I realized that, hey, it's actually possible to actually, you know, create a product or service of your own when there's no awesome. actual, yeah. like, you know, client clients, but you have instead customers, not clients. Got it. Uh, yeah. you, don't, you don't need, like, a big investment. You, like, you know, you can start off with basically very low budget and very small team, and then you can grow from there. And, and by being in, in a Silicon Valley in, you know, in San Francisco, and you, you were in this environment where you met up a lot of people, there were a lot of hackathons, and there was this, you know, the whole thing is yeah. uh, embedded in, in a startup culture, and you get this feeling like anything is possible, even though you are like small people, or you, you don't have a big team, you don't have a big budget. So from that experience to have my own product and services for, for, you know, for the society, not just, you know, for, for one or two clients. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, how much time did you spend in Silicon Valley? How long have you been there? Uh, a year. A year. Okay. Yeah. When was that? Uh, that was in 2013. Okay. Not that long ago, five years. And what, yeah. how, how would you compare um, Silicon Valley to Thailand now to maybe Bangkok? Because I've seen there are a lot of um, new programs, new initiatives um, here in Thailand, like Startup Thailand, yeah. very big community, a lot of events happening right now. So how do you see currently like the, the startup community here in Thailand? Not only in mm. Bangkok, maybe it's the hub, but like generally in Thailand. So yeah, going back by 2013, I think at that time, the word startup basically didn't exist okay. in Thailand. <laughs> very, very, very small people know about it. All right. In San Francisco, in Silicon Valley, it was just already like everywhere, you know. So I would say maybe we are about 10 years behind. Because <laughs> like from, from at that point to year 2018, then you, it's become a norm. Everyone knows the word startup already. There's a lot of like an ecosystem, right? There are plenty of VCs, there are a lot of incubators, and um, there's a lot of these, like co-working space coming up, you know, every day. Um, but it's still like if I have if I'm comparing to my experience five years ago in, in in Silicon Valley, it's still quite far off. Like there, it's just part of almost part of everyday life. You you walk into a cafe, you, you can see everyone just like you know coding something. No, like literally coding something. Okay, on, wow, on a cafe. Okay, it's almost like yeah, yeah. It's almost like everyone is building something all the time, and there's hackathon like. Every week, basically, like meet meetups every day if you want to learn something, and everything is it's free, it's it's very open. So if you are really like industrious, you can go to meetup every day. Like one day you can be at Microsoft, the other day you can be at Twitter, or you know, there's these all these big companies they have they host this um, meetup, startup meetups, and they invite a lot of great speakers. So it's like you know everyday lifestyle there. So I think we are getting there, but it probably going to take us maybe five more years to, to, okay. to, to, to the point where, of course, and the, of course, the government has to push this a lot more, but maybe like in the five years, we can see that picture, you know, in, in certain cities in, in Thailand, especially in Bangkok. Yeah. So that, that would be like my comparison because when I was back here in 2014, the, the start upward was already like quite known. There are already like a few success cases, but not that many incubators, yeah, I think um, maybe in five years we can see kind of the same environment as in Silicon Valley. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I can see also a lot of co-working spaces popping up here in Chiang Mai. So um, yeah, yeah. it's definitely coming here. I've been now here in Thailand, here in Chiang Mai since 2014. So about four years and already back then, well, co-working space was already a thing here. But um, they're like more and more coming now. And um, uh, it's interesting. The, the community here is also interesting, like both um, Thais and, and foreigners, like working together, building something together. I like to see that. This is like pretty interesting. Let's talk about Fung Jai. What was the idea behind? Yeah. So basically, when I returned from Silicon Valley back to Bangkok, mm-hmm. so I had this idea implanted in my mind already, right? That I wanted to, you know, build a startup, create some product or service. And in the meantime, I was working as a still graphic designer and also a part-time teacher because, uh, you know, you need the money to, to survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, I was like coming up with ideas and, you know, just in my mind, just by myself, like no one else. Um, there were plenty of them that, that I thought of, but then somehow music struck me because back when I was a teenager, I always, you know, listened to this kind of like independent alternative music in, in Thailand you listen to indie music, that's, that's the place to go. And, you know, they have done many activities. And But by the time I got back here, it was already closed. Like, fat radio was no more. So, okay. um, yeah, my pain point at that time was that I was trying to catch up because I have been away from Thailand for, like, four or five years. Wow. So I was trying to catch up with all this, like, new independent music. And it turns out there was really, like, no place that collect all these things together. Like, there's here and there. It's all fragmented. Like, I have to go follow... Um, one Facebook page to another Twitter account. And, you know, there was really like no consolidated place that uh, all these independent musicians can, can feel like they're part of this community. So, and that, and also like I was using Spotify when I was in Finland because it was, you know, created by, um, you know, Swedish, it's a Swedish company, right? And a lot of people in Finland were using it, Spotify. Okay. And um, yeah. yeah, and I somehow... I feel like listening to music on music streaming services is much, much better than on video streaming services like YouTube. Sure. Sure, like the yeah. experience is way, way better. So combining that like, and with the, the, the interest in the, in, the, in the community, so these two ideas kind of you know, collide together. And I was like, okay, why not we have like Spotify for indie music? <laughs> in awesome, so that was kind of like, yeah, we, really simple. It, there was no like, you know, big idea moment. It's just, okay, from my pay, own pain point and from my experience of using good software. And so I thought like, okay, maybe if I want to have this, so perhaps there may be like a, other people would want to use this service too. So that was kind of like the beginning. And, um, and then I started off like start talking to people about this idea, you know, people around me who are maybe in the entertainment industry, people I know and, you know, some are in music industry. And, you know, the funny thing is like almost everyone I talk to say, no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we did it. <laughs> yeah. Music industry is, is, in Thailand is dying. Like why, why would you want to do something like this? Who would want to use this? And I was like, okay. okay. Not, not very positive feedbacks. But then when I started talking to the art, yeah. it's a whole different story. It's really quite challenging to, to, to talk to them because like the word music streaming was basically also non-existent. There was only Deezer at that time and it was not that popular. Like a lot of people have the app because they use Gita. Not, not many people were using. So when I talked to the artists, they were like, okay, what is music streaming? What is Spotify? Yeah, there was no Apple music back then. So yeah, it took some time to talk to them, but you know, the, the thing that interests them the most was like to have a place where they feel like they belong. Because like after Fat Radio, it's quite tough now. Like, okay, yeah. where do we go from here? And, and 
huge encouragement for me to push on with, with the project. So I know that I can design and I can do all the front end stuff, but then I would need some, you know, developers to help me with the back end. So then I found my uh, other co-founders who are um, developers, a friend of a friend, and then, you know, talk to them, pitch them the idea and, you know, convince them to like, hey, let's do this like after our working hours. So yeah, then I got my uh, four co-founders and then we started building the, the prototype together like every, basically every day after, you know, six until midnight yeah. for, <laughs> for four months. Then we, wow. yeah, 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 finally we released the beta and I was really fortunate because they were, they were really like um, mature and they were financially, they are all stable, right? So they have to have full-time jobs that will pay it. So they don't really think about like money. They, they, they also have this same startup spirit that they want to build something. They have actually built something before, but mm-hmm. uh, it was not very successful because they were only group of developers. So they don't have designers. So actually it was like a, a good match because like, yeah, I have... Yeah. Um, some some creative thinking and also a little bit on marketing side, mm-hmm. and they have the expertise to 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 build something with 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 the coding and or the programming skills. So yeah, when we mix this together, and there was an, also another co-founder who joined us, who is more like he's an artist and he he has been in the you know community, so he know a lot of people and he know what artists want. So all these together combined, and then we have like quite a perfect team. You know, one guy who is a creative, then you know, uh, three guys who are developers, and one guy who is more like a community manager. Got it. Okay. And yeah, and then together, like for four months, then we we released the first beta on October 2014, and yeah, then okay. <laughs> we went on from there. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Now you've been almost yeah four years now doing this mm-hmm. and can, can you share any like obstacles you had to overcome? Sure. Um, so there are a couple of, of things that I can share with. The first is basically belief that we can actually, you know, complete the project because, you know, to a certain point, like I think around months two that we were developing the, the first beta, already there were like a new service coming to Thailand, like oh, no. K-pop, okay. yeah. line, line music. Uh, and then we hear something that Apple is going to do something. And it was really discouraging for us because like, oh, oh look at all these big guys. They come in like, how, what are we going to do? Yeah, but, you know, basically I told the team like, hey guys, like we have spent two months already building. And if we stop here, for sure, there's like 0% of success, 0% chance of success. But if we actually like publish it, like let let the society let 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 the people actually try to use it. Maybe there's like zero point zero zero one percent of being successful, but it's not zero, right? And we are only like halfway there. So like let's just you know what I would say is nobody knows like the future, and few people cannot judge the product. Sometimes you you let the public see for what it is, and then let's see how it goes from there. So that's kind of like the step one big hurdle that we overcame and then of course afterward we launched the product it was it was not like a big success but it was you know getting enough traction like the first month we have about four thousand users yeah which is pretty good like yeah, actually that's know, not bad like, yes yes <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> we don't have anything you know like we don't have any budget we don't have any you know like we don't buy any ads so sure yeah so it's a word of mouth and you know it kind of proved to us that okay this is going somewhere. Like at least there's people who want to use this. But then the next hurdle came when we started to realize it's going to be very difficult to get the people to pay for the service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, First, mm-hmm. like our business model is going to be like copying Spotify, right? Just 
have a free trial and and like you can use it for free but if you want to get rid of the ads then you can you know pay the premium and then you can save it for offline and, and whatnot but then we came to realize from you know looking at all the behavior of the users and looking looking at our competitors that this is space this is probably not going to be the business model of the future you know not many people in thailand are willing to pay for music just yet i mean even now it's still quite small percentage who actually pay for any services at all. So we had to shift. We have to think about now like the financial side of the product. Okay, we have a product that people starting to loving to use, but then what's next? Like how do we actually make this a, a living? So then we, we, we look at other aspects of, of music where, where we can actually make money. And one thing that we know, learn that people still pay is uh, for going to events. Yes, I saw it. You are offering events as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. basically, we like okay, maybe this is something that we can look into. Okay. Uh, first, it actually came up as um, a way to promote Fun Thai. Like, okay, how do we, you know, get people to know more about us? So yeah, there was um, an idea from one of our team members who say like, okay, let's make a like make it physical. And we should you know host a concert, and we did that, and then it was actually like it turned out to be a little bit. Profitable for the you know very first concert we did, and it was a huge turnout. Like almost two thousand people came. Wow! And yeah, it was wow. really big success. And after that, we know okay, maybe this is like a way to go. <laughs> like we build Amazing, community yeah. online, yeah. and then we we turn to offline to actually like monetize for yeah. people going coming to yeah. our show yeah. to tickets and to sponsorship. So in a way, from this happening is that we pivoted a little bit already how our business model was very scalable like at least that's what we thought and then we realized that that might not be the case and then we shifted to this you know something else that is it's like a survival mode now like okay whatever trying to like a way to to generate income from this maybe that's the way to go and luckily from doing that first concert which which was a huge success that a lot of press were you know giving us attention i think two weeks after the concert for straight months there was uh, we did interview every day wow <laughs> amazing yeah great great, great. Okay. yeah so it was like great for pr and yeah and and eventually this this um, pr led to attracting one of our investors our main investor which is uh, Upi. Amazing. uh yeah our our main investor and that they were interested in you know kunmu CEO of Upi, he was interested in invest, investing in Shanghai. So, and in a way, that kind of solved our financial situation because it, you know, it, it it really got to a point where I couldn't really ask all the guys to quit that job to work for fun because I don't have that kind of money. Yeah, and we were like in the middle of like, okay, how, what what do we do from here? Like, what's the next step? And we were thinking about fundraising already, but then you know this happened, and then yeah, so that was kind of like one turning moment where we Great. simply I asked everyone to quit that job and now I Great, start sir. paying them. Yeah. Are you planning to expand to Indonesia? Because I saw that you're offering So right yeah. now we we just we actually just started uh okay. Two okay. I see. Wow yeah. okay. Great. So we Great. have we yeah. have two we have three people there working for us already. Wow. Yeah. So Amazing. we are trying to build the same, the same yeah. independent, co independent musician uh, community in, 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 in Indonesia as well. 
So yeah, let's see how that goes. <laughs> Great. Uh, what would you say? Um, you're currently the CEO of Fungi. What are your main responsibilities? Like, what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis, basically? So like from these four years, we have grown quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So we are now about, we have three products now, actually, within the same company. So we have Fungi. We have a new product called Songshakes, okay. which is uh, focusing more on the cover musician. Yeah. So not so Fangchai is more towards the original musicians where they have their own music. Mm -hmm. But Songshakes would be uh, gearing towards more people who like to sing cover, like sing other people's songs. And then we also have Lensot, which is like um, a booking platform where if you want a band playing for your wedding or your company party, you can come shopping for bands. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of like overseeing, you know, all these three products and, you know, like most of CEO would say like, okay, you know, be projecting, you are like uh, seeing the, the, the vision of, of, of the company and, and whatnot. But another side that I would like to share is probably like, I think being a CEO is more like being a cheerleader in a way. Okay. Sometimes you are like a psychiatrist. <laughs> um, Amazing. Yeah, okay. you're, you're, yeah you're, you're, you're dealing with a lot of like, um, yeah. actually, I think it's more like you're dealing with the well-being of your, of your team. Yeah, I think um, to be a CEO, in my opinion, is like to try to create a good environment. I mean, all the people that I hire in one way or another, they are better than me. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't hire them, right? So they are better than some would Correct, be yes. better than me designing. Some would be better than me in, you know, talking with the clients. Some would be better than me in you know, programming. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we have all these great talents. And as a CEO, what, what you want to do is to create an environment, working environment that they feel comfortable, they can, they feel like they can perform to their fullest. I think that's like, yeah, that's one great. part of the job that, that's great. yeah, that no, 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 nobody really, you know, ever told me about, but then you kind of learn when you're, you're, <laughs> you started be, be being a, a leader of, of a company. Sure. And the other thing is like, you are, I think also in the meantime, you are like a janitor, like a housekeeper because you know, whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever problems, whatever like craps yeah. just happen in the company, you are the first one. You have to be the first one to deal with it. You have to be like heads on, like, okay, what is the problem? And you make the decision, best decision as good as possible to deal with, with the issues, whether it's internal or external, but Yeah, in a way, you, you cannot be the person who, like, shy away from the problem. Sure, absolutely, whatever, yeah. You know, big, big or small, like, at the end of the day, you, 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 you tackle these heads on and team, like, the pros and cons of this and that decision. But at the end of the day, you, you kind of, like, you know, you make the call. Sometimes you make the wrong ones. Okay, sometimes that's part of the job, I think. Yeah, but that's part of the job. But, but this, I, I really feel like I'm, you know, Many, many hats <laughs> in one yeah, person. Sure. Like, like I say, like, you know, you share up the people, you, you consult them when they are depressed, <laughs> when some, you know, craps happen and you deal with them. And what, what would you say about like work life balance? Do you have anything like this? Because you seem to you be know, quite... at, the beginning, <laughs> yeah, at the beginning, it was, I work as graphic designer mm -hmm. and IT. And I have to use the income from these two sources to feed into Fungi. Yeah. So I have like three jobs. <laughs> three jobs, okay. Uh, yeah, basically, so I, you know, you work on Fungi, design for clients, yeah. and then I teach. Okay. That's a lot of work. Yeah, at the beginning, it was so tough. Work-life balance, there's no such thing. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> right now it's much better. Everything yeah. is more structured. Yeah, I, okay. try, I try not to bring work to my home. So instead on weekends, I come to office sometimes. <laughs> 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 like try not to work at home. So if I feel like, okay, on Saturday or Sunday, if I feel like I have to finish up. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Yeah, but uh, it's already not happening that, that, that often. It's, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Not- <laughs> Got it, got it. What would you say before we wrap the interview up um, for uh, like new entrepreneurs or those who are thinking about like creating their own business? What mm-hmm. advice would you give? Like, do you have like one or two like advices you would give yeah, to sure. someone who's just starting out or who's planning to create a business? Yeah. So whenever people come up asking this question to me, like, I think the first thing that I would tell them is to be very realistic. Don't be like super optimistic. Don't feel like hey, everyone is going to use this. This is going to be great. I, I would always advise them to look, always look at the downside. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what if people don't use it? What if this and this happen? Like, what would you do then? Like, don't only, you know, it, it, it's because like, it's great. You have this spirit, you have the fire, like, oh shit, this is great idea. And you really want <laughs> to do it. And that's, that's super awesome. But sometimes this optimism can blind you in a way that you don't see the downside of like, okay, what would happen if this and this happened? Like you, you should like always make these kind of scenarios. So you have some kind of like backup plans. Like, okay, if this doesn't work, then I do this. Or if this competitor comes into your market, then I do that. So, you know, being this and also being realistic in a way that you should also take a look at your own interests and your own circumstances, your own abilities, right? If you're creating something, say, if you are making shoes, for example, you want to choose is your main product. Like, do you know how to make shoes or you just love wearing them? Do you actually like know how to make one and like from the start to finish? Do you know how the industry works? Do you know like who is the players involved? Do you know like who is your customers and whatnot? Who is your competitor? So if you don't, then you should start really like knowing what if you're going to into this industry or in, in this direction, you should really know everything about it. You should, if you don't know, then you gather as, as much information as possible. And also you, you look at your own ability, like what's your role in this company and what's your skills? Do you actually have the skill sets or what part of skill set do you have and what you don't have? If what you don't have, then you have to find some other people to plug in to make it like a complete team, right? Like I, at Funtime, like I told you that, okay, I know I can, create i can do graphic i can do front end stuff but then there's these many things that i cannot do so you have to assemble a team you know you know you you know your own skills and then you have to complete the rest from the others okay and don't try to do it all like everything by by yourself and the last thing would be being realistic means that you should financially before you you know quit your job and like okay i'm gonna pursue (laughs) my yeah you know great startup life and whatnot and you should actually take a look at deep look at your finances okay you have to really calculate out like how am i gonna survive from now on like what's my pay rent what's my food cost what's my you know daily life cost and then that's and amazing then you look at, yeah 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 you, you look at what you have in your bank account and then you, you actually have to calculate like how long can i keep doing this and and you know without having to uh, asking for those around you for help like you you, you don't want to be a, a burden to your family or your loved ones right you, you have to consider like go through yeah what if, what if if you fail would it hurt anybody else around you you know sure. you you have to think like what what you're dragging them into if you, you quit your job now and you start this path yeah that, that you're doing so so 
that yeah, all these things together, and, and yeah, it boils down to like you know being realistic is is, is what I mean. Like you know, That's you have to look at all these aspects. Amazing advice, yeah, great advice. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It was really great having you on the show. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah. Also, thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Awesome. Thank you. See you. Bye. What a great guy. Have you had any takeaways? What's the current stage of your startup? Head over to our Facebook group, Disrupting Asia, and share your experience. We'll be having many more great guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned and consider subscribing to the show. Be on every major platform like iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. 